Hello and welcome to this special episode of the Tilney Investment Podcast, where we'll be talking about ethical investing. Regular listeners will know me, but for those who don't, I'm Ben Seeger-Scott, Head of Multi-Asset Funds. And today, rather, uh, rather than answering questions, I'll be asking them. I'm jo- joined by Louis French from our research team, who heads up our ethical research, and who will be telling me both about the broad ethical investing landscape and how we approach ethical investing here at Tilney. Before we begin, here is some important information. Nothing in this recording is intended to constitute advice or recommendation, and you should not take any investment decision based on its content. Any opinions expressed may be subject to change without notice. Remember that the value of investments can fall as well as rise, and that you may not get back the amount you originally invested. Past performance should not be considered a reliable indicator of future returns. Different funds carry varying levels of risk depending on the geographical region and industry sector in which they invest. You should make yourself aware of these specific risks prior to investing. If you are unsure about the suitability of an investment, or if you need advice on your specific requirements, you should seek professional financial advice. Please note that ethical funds may, by definition, have a limited investment universe. This may affect performance. So, Louis, I hear lots of different acronyms and names for ethical investing. So, to start with, can you tell me what are the main differences between ethical, ESG and sustainable investing? Yeah, sure, Ben. It's a, it's a very good question and it is quite confusing for, for a lot of people. Um, we start with ethical. Ethical is probably the most uh, well-known uh, term that's used for this type of investment. Um, it kind of really developed in the 1980s as a way of excluding things that um, investors were not happy with. Um, so like I said, it's, it's more of a focus based on subjective parameters of things you want to avoid. So the type of things you would normally see in there would be alcohol, gambling, pornography, for example. Uh, and they are effectively just negatively screened out of an investment process by a fund manager. Um, you then have uh, SRI, which is socially, respons- socially responsible investing. Um, this really developed in the 2000s. Um, we are not massive fav- fans of it at Tilney. Um, it's a bit of a tick box exercise, so a company can publish a glossy uh, corporate sociability, socially responsible investment report, um, which may not necessarily show what they're actually doing. Um, but that really developed in the two um, thousands. Like I said, we we tend to avoid that. Um, it's more of a best in class approach as well from an investment point of view. Uh, and then you have ESG, which is really um, where most of the industry is at the moment. Um, the E, the S, and the G can sometimes be confusing for people, particularly the S. So for the E, you have the environment. Um, within the environmental sector, we are looking at kind of water usage. We're looking at carbon footprint. footprint. We're looking at climate change, biodiversity, and a range of other uh, themes around um, kind of the green uh, side of investments. Then on the S, you have social rather than sustainable, which is a common mistake that gets made. Uh, with social, we are looking at um, a whole variety of things. So employment rights, wages, generally how companies treat their staff, um, community, the impact on community of investment, human rights, and so on. Uh, and then within governance, uh, which is the G, uh, there's two ways of really looking at it. I think you've got the governance angle in terms of our rights as shareholders when we invest in companies or funds, and then you have the governance of a natural company. So you're looking at board, um, how the board behaves, the diversity of the board, um, and whether it's actually doing a good job. And so, what are what are the main challenges to investing in this sector? Well, the various acronyms that we've just kind of covered, and we didn't even get into impact, which is a new one, and it it just goes on and on. So the acronyms are a a big issue. Um, We often refer to the sector as a bit of a green maze, uh, and I very much see my job as trying to help clients navigate this green maze. Um, 
You've also got a big issue now with greenwashing. That's a, a real new thing now where companies are labelling their funds as ESG or sustainable or socially responsible and so on. Um, that creates a bit of a headache because not all funds actually do it properly. Um, so one of the big frustrations that I often come across is you would think a fund is going to do X uh, in terms of where it will and won't invest. And then you look at the underlying holdings and it's investing in a way that you wasn't expecting. So that's a big part of my upfront research is to really understand um, the boundaries of where a fund manager can invest in. Um, so the one we also the phrase we also is, is always say to clients is never assume what it says in the tin is correct and always dig a bit deeper into the investment process. The other big challenge we found in this part of the market has actually been in terms of building a whole portfolio to match how clients may invest. So that's regional uh, diversification, sector diversification, and so on. So we've spent a lot of time in the last couple of years with our central funds. Um, developing our research so that we actually can invest across the broad landscape um, of asset class and regions for clients. So clearly a lot of work goes into to finding these funds and, and researching this area. Are you seeing increased demand for this area of the market? Certainly. So um, I've gone very much from the tree hugger that sat in the corner, as our colleagues would often joke and jive with me. Um, now we're seeing a lot of client demand for ESG or sustainable impact, whatever phrase you want to use. Um, we really have to thank uh, Sir David Attenborough a lot for this. So programs such as Blue Planet uh, and various other environmental programs have really focused consumers on on this and clients. Um, you know, it's everyday decisions that people now think about. You know, whether you're buying organically, you're looking at how much plastic you're using, whether you recycle, how much water you use. So it's it's very much part of our daily lives. So why wouldn't it be part of our investment decisions and how we look to save? So a lot of, lot of um, demand coming through. A lot of the industry tend to focus on the transfer of wealth between generations as a way of saying, right, okay, the younger generations are thinking more broadly in terms of their impact on the planet. But my experience is a lot, not necessarily that that's the only type of client that we see that are interested in this. Um, it's much more diverse. We see older generations of people that are looking at actually leaving the world in a better place for their children or grandchildren, for example. Um, and also within the pension industry, there's been a lot of um, lobbying going on, and especially with institutional investors, to try and avoid a lot of these bad practices. Uh, and within the UK, we only see that going one way. So there's new regulations coming in, uh, which will force pension trustees to consider ESG within their investment decisions going forward. So a lot of it is spurred, or at least some of it is spurred by things like the, the Blue Planet and, and other TV programmes. Does that mean it's a fad or is this going mainstream? Uh, Definitely not a fad. Um, I believe that it's mainstream already in, in many ways. Um, Morningstar, for example, they have um, recently published some data which suggest over $1.8 trillion are now invested in the ESG market across approximately a universe of around 4,000 funds. So that part about the market developing is pretty much getting there. Um, I suppose the second phase of that is that a lot of the funds still need to have a long enough track record from a core research perspective for us. Um, at Tilney, we generally do believe that the themes of sustainability are now mainstream. So like I said earlier about consumers, the way we think, the way we act, uh, sustainability is very much there. And it will only grow, particularly as you know, the population of the world you know, continues to grow, resources become more scarce. We obviously have various commitments under climate change that we're all trying to adhere to. Um, so the regulators, the policymakers are all moving the, the kind of the direction of travel is one way. Um, the UN Sustainable Development Goals, which are a new kind of a new thing, 
that has also allowed the market to try and pinpoint investment towards a development goal. Um, in many ways, that is useful because clients can actually try and see and, and, like I said, understand a little bit more about where the impact side of their investment is. But equally, that has added to the greenwashing challenges. Okay, so it's definitely good, I think, that this area of the market is taking off and here to stay. But some people might suggest that uh, clients have to compromise their returns if they're going to align their investments with their morals. Is this true or is this a myth? Naturally, I'm biased, Ben, but yeah, I would say it's a bit of a myth, um, particularly if you look at fund performance in recent years. Um, some of our favoured funds um, here at Tilney um, have not only kept up with funds that don't necessarily have an ethical or ESG screen, but a number of them have actually outperformed um, over the last three to five years. Um, part of this outperformance will have been driven by tailwinds from the likes of you know lower oil prices or some of the general price issues that the tobacco industry has had in recent years. But equally, I think our fund managers now have a broader universe of stocks to pick from. Um, so that helps a little bit with the biases that we've seen previously um, and actually also provides a wider investment opportunity. Um, and it kind of is it's going back to companies changing the way they run their daily operations, um, you know, whether they're more focused on resource efficiency, whether they have better governance or better board diversity, for example. So the more that companies become um, accessible for our fund managers um, that pass screens or some of the positive themes, then this has helped fund managers in terms of having a broader selection of stocks to pick from. Um, this was a more of an acute issue in regional specific funds, so the UK equity market, um, where previously, you know, if there was an ethical fund, the manager's excluding half the universe before he even starts trying to do, or he or she starts doing bottom-up stock selection. Um, so one of our favoured funds, um, and one of the funds we invest in, in the central programmes is uh, Lion Trust UK Ethical. Um, the performance of that fund has been exceptional in recent years. Uh, and obviously we hope that will continue, even though we can't guarantee it will be, but we hope that that will continue. Um, some of our favoured funds in the uh, global equity market have also performed very strongly in recent years and performances have generally been top quartile uh, in the Investment Association um, ratings of funds. Um, I think the other thing to look out for from, from a performance perspective would be the kind of style of um, ESG funds. They do tend to be more growth orientated. So we are looking for those transition of the global economy to more sustainable themes. Um, so whilst we view that as a positive thing, because we see the world going that way, it will create some performance headwinds if, for example, value was to outperform uh, in the upcoming years, because we will generally have lower exposure to value uh, within our ESG funds. Okay, uh, and getting a little bit more specific, how do you incorporate fears regarding climate change into your research and your fund selection? Climate change is probably the, the, the big issue that um, comes across the desk in terms of client concerns. Uh, so naturally, we are probably more strict on our view of fossil fuels um, and how we incorporate that into our research and fund selection. So we do have a stricter um, view on fossil fuels. Um, it would be very highly unlikely that a client would end up seeing an oil and gas exploration company in our portfolios, in our ethical portfolios, very unlikely. Um, we are a lot tougher on those kind of things. So back to my earlier point about best-in-class selection, we try to avoid that investment process as much as we can. Because under best-in-class, you could have an energy company that is still drilling in the Arctic, but would be ranked highly because it's got a good you know, social responsibility report. We tend to avoid that at all costs because we don't want clients to be in a position 
where they've intentionally asked us to avoid something and it ends up in their portfolio. So we are a lot stricter on climate um, and environmental um, strictness around fossil fuels and miners as well. Um, so you, yeah, and we also, on a positive, more positive angle, um, we also invest in some renewable energy companies. So we'll have Greencoat UK Wind in our portfolios, uh, which is actually an, um, a generator of uh, wind energy here in the UK. Okay, so I think you've talked quite a lot around inferring how our research uh, impacts different areas of, of funds that we invest in. Perhaps now might be a good time to outline in a little bit more detail Tildy's approach to ethical and sustaining investing. Sure. So we spent a bit of time producing a guide uh, for clients to, to view, which, which is available on our websites, which talks about exactly how we do this. It also talks about a little bit of the evolution of the sector, which we touched upon earlier. But once you get into the kind of in the weeds of this, we are talking about trying to do good with people's money. That is the, in essence, what we are trying to do, regardless of what acronym that's used. Um, and that approach is a combination of both positive and negative. So for the negative, first of all, we are trying to avoid those traditional sin sectors um, in the market. So that would be alcohol, gambling, tobacco, pornography, uh, fossil fuels, as I've mentioned already, uh, and that, that those kind of things. But... Equally, we think it's important to be positive in this approach. We do we do see this as a positive development in the market. So um, we are looking for those sustainable growth themes um, which come through, and it's a generally a style that we have in our funds on the ethical list is, is kind of a growth uh, style. So we try to categorize these positive themes into three areas. So first up, we have life essentials, um, which is kind of focused on affordable housing, healthcare, sustainable food and water. Uh, we then have the environment as our second theme. Um, so we, there we're looking at biodiversity, recycling, uh, resource efficiency, renewables, and sustainable methods of transport. And then third up, we have economic development and ending poverty. Um, so this really tends to be more on the emerging markets, but we're looking at human rights, financial inclusion, and generally just trying to close things like the digital divide and stuff like that. So we're looking for companies that are in these positive areas of the market. Great. So there's clearly a lot of in-depth research that goes on and you've talked very eloquently about the sector and sort of what we look at. So ultimately, how can clients access these services? So clients can access our research online free of charge. Um, that will have some of our top rated funds uh, featured there. It will have some more topical research on the environment, for example, as well. Um, clients can also buy into our centrally managed programs, which will feature many of the top rated funds in the portfolios. Um, these funds will be adjusted for the amount of risk that a client's willing to take. Um, clients can also speak directly to our wide range of investment professionals at Tilney, whether that's financial planning, investment management, or just pick up the phone and generally have a chat. Um, those guys will um, be able to talk clients through um, some of the concerns they may have or just more information if they require it. Um, and, you know, we're always available to help clients uh, regardless of whatever their issue may be. Louis, thank you very much for your insights on this interesting and growing area of investing. If you have any feedback, questions or comments, please send us an email at podcast at tilney.co.uk. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.